Hey, this is Michael Monroe. Check out Thunder Underground. That's what we're on. All right, keep on rocking. Welcome to episode 352 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always. This week, it's a great one because Michael Monroe is here. That's something I've always wanted to be able to say, and I'm very happy that I'm able to say it right now. As you heard right there in the upfront, Michael Monroe's right here, harmonica and all. We're going to talk about everything going on with his brand new album and a bunch of other stuff. Great chat here with Michael coming up. Of course, Hanoi Rocks and everything in between. So looking forward to that shortly. But first, got to let you know who we're sponsored by here. DEB Concerts is a promoter based right here in Tulsa that keeps bringing a lot of great acts to the Tulsa area. They've been doing it for several years now. This summer is no different. Right in the middle of summer here, August 20th, at the BOK Center, they are bringing Poison, along with Tom Kiefer of Cinderella and L.A. Guns. A great triple bill there at the BOK Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you hit up BOKCenter.com for tickets, hit up DEBconcerts.com to stay up to date on all the info you need to know. And of course, they let you know everything going on, as we do here, anytime DEB Concerts has updates. And of course, just a couple weeks after that will be Rocklahoma, Labor Day weekend. DEB Concerts books the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. The the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma also is where the pre-party is every year for Rocklahoma on Thursday night. And the pre-party this year will feature Fan Halen, Enough's Enough, Count 77, and One Night Stand. Great bill to kick this party off. And in the next few days, the headliners on the Roadhouse stage from DEB Concerts will be Quiet Riot on Friday night, Slaughter on Saturday night, recently replacing Doro, who unfortunately backed out, and then Lit will be on Sunday night. A lot of other great acts on this stage. Check out rocklahoma.com to see everybody playing, and of course everybody playing the main stage and the hard rock stage. There is always great lineup from Rocklahoma for the 15th year. So if you're out there, of course, hit up the Roadhouse stage and come find Thunder Underground as well, because I'm always out there myself. DEB Concerts, a huge thank you for their continued support. We've also got Sunset Tattoo, a tattoo shop in Midtown Tulsa. Tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. Most importantly, they are mother approved. You can check out all their work if you follow them on our socials. Facebook and Instagram are both Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. 25 plus years years of experience. Jake does great work. I've had work done by him. I know several other people that have as well. If you call or message ahead of time, you can set up an appointment to get in there and talk about what work you're looking to have done. And I'm pretty sure that Jake can do it for you because you'll see in the photos, he can do a lot of different styles and he does them all well. So hit him up and tell him you heard about him right here on Thunder Underground. Finally, we've got Med Farm, a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. 24683 East Highway 51. Right off the highway, you can't miss them. They've got a drive through which is a really cool deal for a dispensary. If you call, text, or email ahead, you can place your order and then just drive through and pick it up and be on your way. You can check out their entire selection at leafly.com. They're open super late. Tons of great deals. They're always running specials on their socials, so if you follow them on Facebook or Instagram... Instagram is MedFarmOK, that's P-H-A-R-M, 
Facebook is just MedFarm. Their website is MedFarmOK.com. One of the specials that's always running is if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is very cool. On top of that, they are cannabis with a cause. 30% of their proceeds at all times go to build no-kill animal shelters. You can't beat that. There's not enough no-kill animal shelters in this town or in this world as there is. So it's very cool that they're putting in the work to help make that happen. That's a huge thing why it's worth your time to drive a few extra miles to get to Med Farm. Because I know there's a dispensary within 10 feet of wherever you're at right now. Because that's just the way it is these days. But pick Med Farm because nearly a third of what you spend will go to help build no-kill animal shelters. And you can't stress that enough. So a huge thank you to Med Farm for their continued support as well. All right, before we get into the Michael Monroe stuff, last week on the James Durbin episode, I talked quite a bit about the Pantera reunion because whenever I recorded that episode, it was just announced the day I recorded it, or the day before, that Phil and Rex were going to go out on tour as Pantera 22 years after the last time Pantera toured. And so I talked about this in length because at that point, of course, there was already a million people online, on social media, either very happy or bitching. The day after I released this, or maybe it was the day that I released that episode, it was announced who was going to be rounding out the band. And then, of course, it, you know, it just amped up from there on. With It turned, you know, I noticed that a lot of people bitching. I'm not going to do this. This shouldn't be done. Then, of course, they announced Zach Wilde on guitar and Charlie Benante on drums. And then a lot of people that were bitching saying, okay, I'll do it, you know, because it's Zach and this and that. Okay, so now they're a hypocrite. But besides the fact, most there's still a lot of people out there I've noticed that are like, they shouldn't call it Pantera, you know. By God. It should be a tribute to this, or it should be called uh, one of their song titles, Cowboys from Hell. Bleh. You know, the point is that I'm here to make, same thing I kind of said last week, but you know, first off, my opinion is I'm super happy with those choices. I've always kind of been one of, in a very small minority, I assume, of people that, Zach Wilde is one of my favorite guitarists of all time. You know, he released one of my two or three favorite albums of all time and Book of Shadows. Absolutely love the guy, but I was always kind of hoping that if this happened, it would be someone else. Just because his style is different than Dimebag. And I, but then again, I know when I think about that more, there's not a lot of name guys out there whose style is very similar to Dimebag. You might have to get an unknown guy. But I, I see where this comes from because when they the two guys they picked, not only are they very you know, apt for the positions they're in. They're both extreme, you know, they're both at the top of the list, you know, in the handful of guys at the top of their list at their respective instrument between Zach and Charlie. On top of all that, both these guys were very close to, to Pantera. Charlie was great friends with Dime and great friends with Vinny. I actually went to an Anthrax show in the late 90s where Dime and Vinny both came up on stage and played with Anthrax. So that's well-known. And of course, even more well-known is how good of friends Zach was with the band and with Dime. And of course, you know, 
He's had tributes to him himself throughout the years. So I, you know, it makes very, it makes a lot of sense on picking these two guys just for that fact that, you know, we want two guys in there that revered these guys, not just as fans of the band, but as being close friends. So you know that they're, you know, they're not just out there to, you know, try to make a few bucks and whatever. They're going to be doing this from a good place, the same way that I would very much assume that Rex and Phil would be as well. So I think those two guys being involved, you know, turned some of those people that were bitching. But the way I look at it is the a lot of people bitching are saying Dimebag and Vinny were Pantera. The Abbott brothers were Pantera. And that statement is very much true. But Phil and Rex were just as much Pantera. I know in the grand scheme of things, Rex kind of gets lost because of the presence of the other three. But the guy is an extremely great bass player. And he is an original member of this band. Sure, the two brothers started this band and actually started it with another bass player, but within a year, Rex joined the band. And we're talking 1982. Like six years before Phil joined. And Phil joined, and they had one, you know, they had three albums without Phil, and then Phil joined. They released one more independent album, and then Cowboys from Hell came out after that. And I would go as far as saying that without Phil joining this band, we would not be talking about this right now. There would be the unfortunate circumstance that we wouldn't know who Dimebagger Vinny is. There's, you know, there's a great chance they still would have made it and we would have, but I don't think it would have been to the level that it is. The way that we revered Dimebag is one of the greatest metal guitarists of all time, and Vinny the same thing on the drums. Dimebag has influenced countless guitarists just as this band has. But when Phil joined this band, he took him from being a hard rock band into what they became. Phil was always the metal guy. Phil was always, you know, he was always the guy that had that in him. And you see it, you know, of course, later, you know, when it, with like the Great Southern Trinco, where it just went totally into Phil territory. And everything he's done since outside of Down, like Superjoint and his solo band, The Illegals, you know, it's just, just heavy ass stuff. And, you know, that's kind of, that's what Phil did. Phil took this band into that. And I understand people have issues with Phil. That's fine. Everybody's got their opinions. No big deal. Phil and Selmo and Rex Brown have just as much a right to call this Pantera as they would if Dimebag and Vinny were still here. So that's all I'm going to say. That's uh, enough rambling. I did it last week. Guess what? There's going to be another episode coming up. I'm sure I'll do it again. But in the meantime, you know, the news is out there. This tour is going to be sometime next summer. They've already announced one date, or I don't know if it was, I don't think it was announced. I think it's rumored that they are headlining a festival in Mexico next summer. And they they announced in the press release that they'll be headlining some festivals, which I'm assuming will be mostly European festivals. And I wouldn't be surprised if in America they do some Danny Wimmer festivals, similar to how Metallica did last year, where they, you know, had an exclusive deal where those are the only shows they played on festivals. You know, and Pantera had already said they're going to do their own headlining shows. So hopefully there's a chance if you want to see them, you get to see them next year. I can't stress enough how great it is that Charlie Benante is a part of this. I'm so happy for that. He's absolutely, he's probably like my second favorite drummer ever behind Mike Borden of Faith No More. From being a Pantera fanboy to being an Anthrax fanboy and a Zach Wild fanboy, you know, I couldn't be more excited. So, 
I'm going to stop with that for now and talk about, there was something else I was going to talk about, but you know, we've had a lot of great singles released because a lot of bands, you know, are gearing up to release some stuff this fall. Like just this week, Alter Bridge released the first single off their new album, song Pawns and Kings. It's a great epic, like six and a half minute long song. Doesn't sound like your typical Alter Bridge single but they've released music like this before. The Interrupters released a new single with Tim Armstrong from Rancid on it, which is very cool. Last week's Soul Work released the third single off their upcoming album, which is Stellar. It's like probably my favorite of the three so far. Man, we also had lots of new stuff. But let's jump into the subject at hand, which is Michael Monroe. Michael Monroe released his new album about a month ago. It came out a little over a month ago. It came out in early June called I Live Too Fast, Die Young. This album is 11 songs long. It's not a super long album. It's under 40 minutes, I think. Here I had it pulled up. 37, about 38 minutes long. Always dig it. When you get 11 songs and you get about... 35 to 45 minutes, you know, that's like a perfect album length. You know, unless we're talking about a progressive metal band or someone, you know, who want, it makes sense to do an hour. But this this album, when, it, when I first listened to it, I got the same impression I do when I listen to most Michael Monroe albums. I'm like, hey, this is another great album from Michael Monroe. This guy hasn't really released things that I don't like. This is cool. Fits right in with everything else that's been going on. But then the more I listen to it, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time, it just really started sinking in. And I'm like, this might be my favorite Michael Monroe album of these new albums. When I say these new albums, I kind of consider the last, the albums he's done with this band that he has now since 2011. This is something we talked about here coming up in the interview. But these albums that he's released over the last... 11 years, Sensory Overdrive, Horns and Halos, Blackout States, One Man Gang, and Now I Live Too Fast to Die Young are as good as anything he's ever done. And they're, I would go as far as saying that they're as good, you know, as Hanoi Rocks. I mean, we're talking like just, this is just a guy that's never rested on anything. Like, He's got a name. He comes from a a band that is revered by many people. So he had every opportunity to kind of just skate on that. Just do like a lot of bands or guys do where they just get out there and tour in the summer based off the hits. You know, that everybody knows and loves. Pull an REO Speedwagon or a Sticks or something you know, where it's like, you know, they might release a new album every 10 years. But they're going to play one song off it on one tour and never played again. But Michael Monroe has never been that way. You know, I actually watched his uh, performance from Vakken a couple years ago. I think he played like a couple Hanoi Rock songs, two or three of the older solo songs, but most of the set, it seemed like, was the stuff from the past decade. And I'm like, a lot of guys could try that too. Another thing is a lot of guys could try that and not get away with it, but he can get away with it because of who he is and how well he has balanced this career, and his fan base knows that this guy is always putting out great stuff. 
So if you're one of the people who hasn't followed along and not known that, man, just start with this new album, I Live Too Fast to Die Young. It's just killer from start to finish. The title track is towards the end of the album, and it features a solo by Slash, who, if you've listened to this podcast in any length of time, you'll know is my favorite guitarist of all time. Because Guns N' Roses is my favorite band, and that's something that, another thing that I talk about here with Michael Monroe coming up in a bit. But Murder the Summer of Love, Young Drunks and Old Alcoholics, Derelict Palace, All Fighter, Everybody's Nobody. I'm going to sit here and list every single song because there's not a song on this album. Anti-Socialite, Can't Stop Falling Apart, Pagan Prayer, No Guilt. I Live Too Fast to Die Young and Dearly dearly Departed. Every single one of these songs is great. And they all, you know, kind of, there's several different styles going on here. Dearly Departed is totally different than what you expect from Michael Monroe, but it's he talks about that here coming up. My favorite track on the album right now is Can't Stop Falling Apart. I can't stop listening to this, pun intended. Like, literally, I've listened to this song every day. For the last several, couple, two or three weeks at least. And Pagan Prayer is another one. And the title track. Just, you know, I'm just kind of rambling here about it. But it's just such a great album. Such a great one for Michael Monroe. And Michael Monroe has long been one of the top people on my concert bucket list. That throughout the years, you know, has whittled down to a handful of people. And he's one of those guys that I kind of have always felt... I might never get to see, and I still kind of feel that way because he doesn't play in America much outside of, you know, I know he's played in L.A. and New York and stuff like that, but it's kind of one of those acts where, you know, his fan base and the money to be made is in Europe and Scandinavia and everywhere over there, you know, so I hope one day I get the chance, but he's right there with, you know, right there with Glenn Hughes for me as one of the five or six people I haven't seen. So one day I'm hoping it's going to happen. But if you're one of those lucky enough people that have seen him before, I applaud you. And I hope you get to see him coming up again someday. So let's jump into this right now. Here's Michael Monroe. Kind of jumping into it. I saw you got a couple of yeah. acoustic gigs coming up this week. Uh, for someone who likes yeah. to move around a lot on stage, is acoustic gig kind of hard to? <laughs> it's a different kind of thing. It's a, it's not not moving moving around as much, but it's a, it's a, it's cool. It's, it's fun, you know, playing different types of songs and <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I can still move around. You know, I'm not going to be actually. I don't sit down. I'm just standing, but. Yeah, it's it's a different thing. We do different types of songs, and uh, it's, it's more. There's not you don't have the drums and all that, you know, that noise, and uh, it's more intimate, you know, with the audience. So, so it's not it's not generally the same set list you would do on a electric show. It's more no, no, no. different types of songs, very different. Okay, Which, yeah, 
we haven't we've been doing uh did this with with sammy and uh this guy costello was a guitar player and him and 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 then linda lindstrom from him uh last couple of years but we've done this with rich jones and steve conte we're doing this with rich and steve tomorrow and, and the next day i haven't done that for a while so that also affects the set list so yeah. uh but yeah it's, it's cool it's a cool thing it's very different but you know it's nice for a change very cool well, I live too fast to die young's been out now about a month. And I had read that you had like 30 plus songs written for this and narrowed it down to the 11 we got. Like, what's that process like when you have to narrow down that many tracks? Well, it's it can be difficult, but it's it's a good good problem to have, of course. You're not uh, better to have too many songs and too too little. But uh, yeah, it's a it took a while. We, we made some demos pretty quick uh on uh, in august last year in august we got together the band we hadn't been able to get together for a couple of years for over two years we didn't play live because everyone lives abroad and because of the covid thing but um we got into the studio to uh, demo studio to lay down some tracks on august in august last year and then about 20 tracks were recorded and then we uh that helped a little um and then got into the studio in november actually i met the guy we went to a completely new studio um the, and a new surroundings new engineer that i'd never worked with before it was a conscious risk but it, it paid off it was it turned out it turned out real good uh, <clears throat> we did some pre-production and we had about i narrowed it down to about 15 by then and by by the time we get started and then we did some pre-production and um just kind of fell into place and i'm glad that we got i it was sort of easy to get down to the the 11. uh there was one song that was left over from the last album from uh one man gang which i thought was going to make this one for sure but then after this was hauled down i realized it didn't fit this album anymore so i'm glad it was came down to the 11. just good amount so is, is that all you or is that kind of a band effort on whittle them down or how do you handle that process really I, well, the final decision is down to me, but I, you know, I, we work on, with the band. Uh, we just we make decisions with the band. I always involve everybody as much as possible, and uh, it helps. You know, I mean, <clears throat> we did uh, when we were doing the acoustic shows with, with Sammy. Was many times Sammy was driving. He has a car, so in the car we'd be listening to the demos. And so, what do you think of this? Was, how about this? And how about that? And you know, we were you know going over the songs and. Different, different situations and many occasions. And um, there's a long process because uh, there's a lot of good stuff and everybody writes and uh, I encourage everyone to write. And it's really, uh, but what to, what to leave out is, uh, it, it was a tough job because there's a lot of good songs, but uh, we, it came, the, the songs that are on the album is uh, really a lot of different types of songs that we haven't done before while still maintaining our, our uh, our style it's, it's it's a different very very much a lot of variety i think you know in a good way and we kind of renewed the band sound in a, in the best possible way so song wise and production wise and uh, and arrangement wise uh sounds uh, so the sound of the record is also more it's got more air and i think it's more pleasant to listen to it's, it's, it's not like everything's on full all the time so it really happy with the way it turned out yeah, kind of. I thought the same thing. Like, there's a lot of different styles going on, but they all the album 
cohesively really works well together. It's, I mean, it's hard for me to pick a favorite track. Do you have songs, any song that sticks out to you, like is really important to you? Well, it's hard to pick a favorite one. Yeah, that's, I have this, I feel the same. Well, Derek Palace is one of my favorites. And uh, I think, uh, well, the Italy part, it was, just, uh, this was special, it was a special one because I, I wrote the lyrics for that in 2000. And one when my late late wife passed away and and I never recorded it because I thought it was too personal, too sad. And, but then uh, last summer I started thinking that that might be might be a good time for that song uh, to be recorded. And I uh, originally I was supposed to be with a band, but then there was a bridge in a song that I left out and made it uh, simplified it a little. I just kept kept it down to the verse and chorus, and then I sent it to the guys and. Sammy had a great idea of the, the approach that's on the album, like not having a band at all, like having it be that kind of haunting uh, atmosphere and very uh, a little bit Spanish in, in, uh, influence. And, you know, the way it's, he, he made a demo of it when, with that approach. And I, I thought, OK, that's it. This is going to be the last song of the album for sure. And so uh, that's the way it turned out. That was a special one. Everybody's Nobody I like a lot. I think that's a fun one. Uh, of course, when Murder the Summer of Love is great, it was a great when it, when that came about. That was like the, I knew that was the first song of the album. And Young Drunks, oh, no, there was a lot of great tracks. Uh, it's hard to pick a favorite one, though. You're right. But Derek Palace reminds me of the Lords of a New Church a little bit. It's got a nice air, nice uh, uh, ear candy and stuff. And, and uh, but every every song has a special thing about it. Anti-socialite is the kind of song that easily can become a corny power ballad, you know, which we wanted to avoid, wanted to have a, be, be more intimate and kind of like the, uh, we used the, uh, the approach of uh, uh, John Lennon Imagine. That was one like blueprint that we kind of looked at. Thought that, that was, you know, keep it small and simple like that. And we succeeded in that. I had actually sung as I did. I did a vocal. That's the first vocal I did in the studio because I thought it was the most demanding. And I had done like a demo piano myself, and that's what I was singing to. But then the the guy uh, Lenny Carlettipoli, who did the piano, this brilliant player. He re, when after he done the piano properly, I wanted I wanted to sing it over. It was one morning. I had a gig the night before, a private event gig, and, and I had only had like two and a half hours sleep. And uh, But I made it to the studio and I said, you know, I wanted to try to sing that again. And Rich and Erno, the engineer, they were like, hey, the original vocal's great. What are you talking about? I said, Let me just give it a shot. And so I gave it a shot and I said, hey, it sounds great. You know? So with that tired voice, I re-sang the whole song. And it's the vocal that's on the record, which uh, at that, it kind of just worked for, uh, at that at, that time the uh, sleep deprivation was beneficial. <laughs> so yeah, that's the that, that's a special one too. I like like that one. Uh, we haven't done a song like that before either. Yeah. Pagan prayer. Well, yeah, there's no guilt. I like too. That's very different too. And it's about that's actually about crooked cops. Is a, the lyrics were written uh, during the summer riots in the U.S. Uh, in the in the aftermath of uh, the George Floyd thing and. It's about how the system is crooked and is designed to help these scumbags get away with murder time and time again. That's what the, what it's reflecting. So there's a lot of, you know, people ask, you write about the pandemic. There's not really that much. Well, there's one reference in 
in pagan prayer, it says, uh, your neighbors get no vaccinations. Believe the earth is flat. You get an eternal vacation if you believe in that. That's referring to uh, the pandemic, but uh, no more than that. There's other things to sing about. People well, are tired. tired I mean, obviously, pandemic. this record was a little different because you guys wrote it during the pandemic. But like, has your writing process changed throughout the years when you go clear back to the early days? This writing process, what? Changed? Has your writing process changed throughout the years when you compare it to, say, your first solo album to now? Um, well, you work with different people. Right. This one, I uh, have the band and I, we kind of self-contained, you know, we work, work within the band. So, many, so much creative energy in the band, within the band. Uh, sure, you know, I'm not against writing with anybody else, but I don't feel, feel any need to. So, But uh, then again, also the internet, you could send ideas, you could send demos and stuff uh, through uh, on, by email. And then, uh, so it's a lot different from when I started. There was no internet. Then. <laughs> when I started my solo career, it was uh, no computers and drum machine and home studio yeah it was a bit different but still it's um the creative process is always uh you kind of you throw yourself into it and it's uh, i don't i don't write all the time it's just a certain period well when i get ideas i, I put them down but but you know when you make a record it's it's uh it's almost like you don't want to really get into it it's a it's you know, because it's so nerve wracking. It's something you're going to live with for the rest of your life. Once you get into it, once it, when it's done, it's fun. It's all, when it, when you're finished, then it's great, and it's 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 always fun in the end. It's worth it, you know. But you have to get to a certain state of mind. It's the mindset you have to be into. You know, okay, here we go again into this zone, and then when it's done, it's like a relief, you know. But I always always keep working. Uh, I'm a perfectionist to the, to the last, you know, and, and also knowing when to let go, uh, when, when to let things be, because sometimes the mistakes are the best things. And, you know, there's a thing that's called uh, per perfectly flawed. It's also a, an art form. <laughs> so uh, know how to leave things be. It's, it's important, too. Well, when you mentioned... If you had an idea, you write it down. Are you talking about like melody wise or like lyric wise? Or are you always both. writing lyrics? Both. Or both. Both. Okay. So are lyrics something that would you like write out a whole thing? You just write jot down like an idea, like a line or something? It depends. Yeah. Sometimes if you get an idea, if you get like a song title and a concept, that's like half the song right there. Yeah. What to sing about, what to write about, how you want to say it, who you want to say it to. Yeah, that's like the main thing. If you have a concept and a, and a title, that's you're halfway there, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I listen to like this, like your last several album, like what your last five albums that you've done with this band over the past decade or so, you know, right. to me they're just as relevant and great as your early stuff. Like, do you ever think about that? Yeah, well, people say that the latest records I've done is uh, some of the best work of my career, which is great to hear. I, you know, that's what you strive for. I try to get better at what I do all, all the time. I, that keeps me hungry. You're never, you're just, there's always room for improvement. You're never good enough, you know. So I always strive for perfection, which I will, luckily, I will never achieve because oh, there's always 
room to improve and uh, you can always 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 only get better and you know, doing live shows doing, making records goes, comes down to everything i'll never become complacent like think okay i got it down now and it's all done to try anymore and i'll never become like that i never i mean i always try to strive for greatness and uh try to make you know records that i you know i was trying to do a better Better than last, and uh, to uh, keep it, you know, make records are relevant, and uh, so, so uh, you're only as good as your latest record. So uh, that's and that's I've gotten so much great feedback for the last records, and uh, that's that's the best thing you can hear. It right now you're doing the best work of your career, and that's great. Besides. People ask me, what is your favorite memory or, or the, the high point of your career? It's, it's right now. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like I've made it to a point where I was like, okay, I'm there now. Yeah, so I, I'm, I keep going, you know, doing my thing. That's a great point, great way to look at it, because I think a lot of artists from that have been around and had success in the 80s or 90s, you know, kind of rely on nostalgia to yeah. tour and get by, but you seem to never fall in that category. It's always ongoing. There's always something new something yeah. to look forward to yeah yeah yeah. you got to keep it fresh otherwise it's not worth doing yeah you know, to me anyway it's the way i do it you, know. you mentioned sammy earlier and you guys have worked together for now 40 plus years you know there's been times of course when you hadn't but like what is it that's kept your guys working relationship so strong throughout the years well we're the best of friends yeah. and like with this band we're the best of friends and we have a great time together we're, we're, you know, we love doing this and uh, we're in it for the right reasons and uh, we all enjoying it. So, and you can, you can't fake that. It comes across on a record it comes across on stage and, and that's the best thing we have. And the band has, this band has a great chemistry and it's something you don't come by every day. It's really rare. And we've been together for like, uh, 10, like about 12 years now with the same band. And uh, it's, it's really uh, me and Sammy and boy blood brothers, you know, from starting from early age since we we're a teen, teenagers. I mean, we started Hanoi Rocks together, and we've been everything we've done together has always been fun and successful and and, and good. And he's the best bass player in rock and roll to this day and age, in my opinion. So, yep. you know, definitely hang on to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> on a personal level, I started getting into rock music pretty heavy in the late eighties and guns and roses quickly became my favorite band. And that's yeah. kind of how I learned about you through, you know, interviews with them. And of course, bad Session, and then everything else you guys collaborated on. And that's gone clear up to now. You just opened up for them a little over a week ago in London. Like what was that experience like at that show and how'd that go? It was great. Great. It was uh, fun to open for them and it was fun to see. Uh, well, they were, they're really busy and, I saw Slash after the show, and it was, I haven't seen him for, for a long time. We were just uh, you know, emailing back and forth. It was great to see them guys, and they were, really, they were great live, too. They played really well. I thought they were, they were really fantastic. And uh, it was a great night, great vibe and all. And, um, I mean, Slash does play a solo on the title track of the new album. So it was, he's, he's such a sweetheart, you know. I asked him, like, pretty close to the end of the recording, and... He was like, well, he's a bit busy. He's doing promotion. He's got an album coming out, and, and that. So when do I need it by? And I was like, well, like, like now. <laughs> and he was like, well, you know, let me see if I can carve out a day for it. And two days later, we had the solo. I was like, 
Yes. Love you. <laughs> He's fantastic. <laughs> He's a great guy. Real sweetheart. Uh, and, and Duff and Axel. All, all of them are really nice guys. Really, really cool. Cool band. And we're so glad that they're as big as they are. Because they play the right kind of rock and roll. Was there ever any thought of mentioning, hey, we should do Ain't It Fun? <laughs> uh, you're not the first one that's asking this. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, if it was up to me, I'd be there. Absolutely. But uh there was no talk about it. I guess they were busy. And I think Axel had some problems with his voice because uh, they had they canceled the next day in uh, Glasgow. The gig was canceled. And uh, I think uh, he had a cold or something. So nobody said exactly why, but he had there was some some problem uh, which uh, they had to cancel the, the following show. And so uh, I didn't want to, you know, Try to impose too much on them, or to leave them alone. And it's a it's a big big uh, responsibility and big, big a lot of pressure there and stuff. And then when your voice starts going, it's uh, it's for a singer, it's uh, one of the worst things. It's uh, really hard to uh, the guitar player can change the string, but you know your body is your instrument when you're a singer. So uh, and the stress doesn't help. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough spot. But uh, they he did great, actually great. I think it was great. Well, speaking of that, your body being your instrument, like during the pandemic of not being able to play live, how do you keep your your voice active? Are you always singing at home, or how do you? What did you do? Well, I sing. And I don't practice much, but I mean, you know, I sing when I need to sing, and uh, yeah, it kind of it takes a it takes a while, few few days to uh, get it working you know well you know when i know i gotta get coming up I, i'll start singing and practicing a bit more you know uh singing at home and but it, it, it does come back but i mean physically doing a live performance with the band like as a singer that i hadn't done for over two years and that uh, that was uh in my mind i was uh, feeling apprehensive and thinking what, what's going to happen and i mean i do keep in shape you know i don't go to go to the gym but i exercise but I do take care of myself at home, but there's nothing you, you, you can't really prepare for a live show. You don't throw yourself into anything like that. when you, that, as you do when you play live. So, uh, it wasn't too bad. Actually, the first show we did, uh, uh this summer is in Germany, hour and 15 minutes in, uh, the rock hard festival in, in Germany. And it was, it was good. I could feel it afterwards. I mean, I, I uh I definitely feel it afterwards. I, I've, I've been at a uh, physiotherapist, you know, even today for the for my back and uh, and my legs. Actually, my right right leg is uh, something wrong with my knee. Uh, probably shock to the system to start doing what I do live again. But yeah, it, that takes a few shows to get into. But uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty good. But before that, I was a little bit—I must say—I was a bit nervous as to what's going to happen <laughs> because I hadn't done it for two years. I was like going ah, all after it, but I'm doing fine. It's going good. Well, vocal vocal-wise, before a show, do you have a a warm-up routine, or you just you just go at it? Yeah, you well, I try to warm up a little bit. Uh, Steve Conte, my guitar player, he warms up. Um, he's better than me at warming up. He always he always reminds me. Oh yeah, I should warm up. And I often go. I often get into it just without even warming up. But I should warm up more. Uh, it would be good. Uh, yeah, open open up a little bit. You know, massage the vocal cords. Certain exercises, but 
it often, often, uh, too often, it, I leave it to the last minute, and then it's, there's no more time. That's just go for it. But uh, yeah, I'll be all right. It's not too bad. Yeah, I read an interview once with Rob Halford where he said he doesn't warm up at all, which just kind of blew my mind for someone with a a voice that wide ranging. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I heard somebody told me that the singer from Foreigner used to warm up for three hours before he sang. And I was like, God, three hours? I would quit. <laughs> yeah. I would not sing. <laughs> I would forget about it. How boring. Yeah. Yeah, then it's a full-time job, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Like, come on, three hours? Longer than the gig, man. Yeah. <laughs> forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, final question for you. Something I always think about is that every... Every artist, doesn't matter the genre that I've heard from the Scandinavian area, always seems to just be excellent. I don't know if that's just because I always I only get filtered in the excellent stuff here in America or what. But I mean, why do you think that is that the quality of music is always so at such a high level? Well, thank you. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. It's nice to hear. I, I think, well, that's nice to hear. I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a lot of good bands that people in Finland uh Hanoi Rocks was a big influence. We opened the doors here. Actually, nobody thought of even going abroad before Hanoi Rocks. We left like very, uh, you know, but we didn't consider staying here. And uh, uh, our drummer was English and we relocated to London and all that. But, but people didn't even think of leaving Finland. Uh, Sweden has always had good bands, starting with ABBA. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I guess the rock and roll over here, uh, People, the bands, everybody's been influenced a little bit by. Well, there's a band called Hurricanes in the 70s. They were like really a straight ahead rock and roll band. And they could talk the guitarist Albert, Albert Yervin, and he was, it was a big influence. And every guitarist in Finland has either from him or through somebody, his roots, you can, you can hear his style and many guitarists playing. But yeah. Uh, it's nice to hear that Scandinavia, you think, you think highly of Scandinavian bands. Because uh, I think there's a lot of good music here. It's good rock bands and they have the right attitude. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know what the, I mean, I wasn't aware of it, so I don't know why. <laughs> That's well, nice to hear. Anybody I've had on, I've always kind of asked that question. I talked to the singer from Avatar and he thought that it was because music is such a part of school at a young age. Where in America, it's more just kind of an elective thing if you decide to do it. But Scandinavia just kind of built into. Okay, that might be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting because in America, I would think you know, uh, like Chuck Berry, and I mean, rock and roll is already part of the history. Yeah, you know, it's part of the tradition. Uh, so uh, it's amazing that uh, right, the school system is different. They, yeah, I see now. Okay, that's interesting to know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it's good to hear that the music is good from scandinavia it's not a bad place to be regardless of the war <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're still here we're still all right <laughs> yeah hopefully it's cool still man still. Yeah. yeah all right, all right. Man. well i really appreciate you taking the time today it's been a pleasure thank you yeah good talking to you man all right thank you have a good one i you hope too. to see you down the road there you go michael monroe a huge thank you to John Freeman of Freeman Promotions for his help and his continued support of this podcast. And of course, a massive thank you to Michael Monroe for taking some time out there to talk with me on Zoom about the brand new album and a lot of other great things. Quite an honor for me. 
huge privilege to be able to talk to that man face-to-face there on Zoom. It's one of those highlights of the past seven-plus years of this podcast. So, once again, a massive thank you to Michael Monroe. If you're listening to this once again and you haven't checked out the new stuff, check out I Live Too Fast to Die Young. Fantastic album from Michael Monroe that just came out a little over a month ago. And then check out his last few solo albums. Check out everything. Check out Hanoi Rocks if you haven't or for some reason or you haven't in a long time. It's high time that you do it. I've got some Hanoi Rocks vinyl. I might go in there and throw it on the turntable as soon as I'm done with this. We'll see. But if this is your first time listening, I really appreciate it. There's over 350 episodes prior to this one you can check out. Talked there about Guns N' Roses. Dizzy Reed was on here once. Had on Frank Cannon from Tesla now four times. Brian Wheat from Tesla as well. I've had on Vivian Campbell from Def Leppard and Dio. I've had on Gene Simmons from Kiss. Bruce Kulick, formerly of Kiss. Three former members, no, excuse me, two former members of Megadeth. Dave Elfson and Chris Broderick. And one current member, James Lomenzo, who is now back in the band as a full-time member. Very cool and very glad to see that. I've also had on, man, when we, we think of like the 80s rock era that Michael Monroe kind of cut his teeth in. There's been guys on this podcast, like I said, Tesla and Def Leppard. We've also had on guys from, let me see, Kicks, L.A. Guns, Junkyard, Slaughter, Warrant, a couple different guys from Warrant, a couple different guys from Trickster, Firehouse, Lillian Axe, Taiketo. Man, I know there's some I'm forgetting from that era. Nelson, Reb Beach. Of, of Winger, and now of Whitesnake as well, the last decade or so. He's also got that band Black Swan. Robin McCauley has been on here a couple times. I've also had on a lot of the guys from, like, you know, the heavier side of things, like COC, Prong, Typo Negative, Life of Agony, White Zombie, Super Joint, Down, I Hate God, Battlecross, Testament, Death Angel, the Black Dahlia Murder, Toxic Holocaust. The list is great and long. TheThunderUnderground.com. You can listen there. You can also find all our socials there. Follow us on all the socials. Anytime you see a post or a tweet or whatever it is, like it, retweet it, share it, comment on it. That's like a free way to help this podcast because as many people know on social media, Stuff doesn't get shown to everybody unless it starts getting shared around. So if you help us help me out, that would be great. I would absolutely appreciate it. You can listen on Spotify, um, Apple Music, SoundCloud, MixCloud, all that stuff. Most pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard. And I think that covers it. Why'd I draw a blank there for a second? We've also got merch, t-shirts, koozies, guitar picks, shot glasses. Hit me up if you want something. Like I said, last week we had James Durbin, and the week before that was Frank Cannon. Next week, I'm not 100% definite on which one it's going to be, but I've got about five or so, I think, recorded that are unreleased right now. And I'm thinking John Waite might be the next one. Yep, John Waite. Missing you. He was, of course, in The Babies. And, of course, Bad English. When I See You Smile. That is all coming up. 
if it's not the next one, it'll be within the next couple. But I've also just recorded one with Chaz West. He has a couple great new bands out right now. He was also a member of Bonham in the 90s. He was in Lynch Mob and Foreigner for a bit as well. That was a very cool one. I've also got one coming up with Jeff Buner, the lead vocalist of The Loyal Order. That was a great one. I have one coming up with Del Lytle, the vocalist and guitarist of the band Angelus, who was around playing the L.A. scene, doing headline co-headline shows with Motley Crue at the same time that Hanway Rocks was around. So, we got some great ones coming. I feel like there might be one more, but that's the stuff coming up. I've also got a couple other scheduled, so be on the lookout for all that. All right. Once again, a huge thank you to DEB Concerts, Sunset Tattoo, and Med Farm, Freeman Promotions, and of course, Michael Monroe. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.